We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. John A1, which defensive players in U.S. Navy? Wait, uh, that's U.S. Naval Academy. Okay, that's right. You have to understand, John A1 is a Navy man. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Which defensive player in the U.S. Naval Academy worst nightmare if they have a career level performance? Oh, I mean, I think it's Chris Tyree. Oh, oh, we're saying I'm going uh, defensive players. You're right. You're right. No defense. I didn't. I just saw worst nightmare. Uh, gotcha. you, you, yours, say it, explain it, Ryan, because you were going to say the exact same thing I was going to say on defense. Riley Mills can be a game record for this team because one, we talked about the options off of the triple option. They want to get the fullback going. They want the quarterback to work off of that and make, make good decisions from there. And a impact defensive lineman like, like Riley Mills on paper is the worst nightmare. A six foot five plus kid with good length and 306 pounds that can play anywhere from a one at times all the way out to a five in some areas. Cause he's played big end in his career. That guy's a wrecker, man. Like that you cannot avoid him because he could literally be a guy that you can move up and down the line of scrimmage in different spots. So if Riley Mills has a big game against Navy, you're going to be a pretty good spot. I think you're going to be in a pretty good situation. Yeah. I think that's the one. I, the only other one that I could come up with Ryan would be like Xavier Watts. A good one. You know, if he has a if he has a career game, it, it, what's it going to mean? It means he forced a couple fumbles on the perimeter. It means he played over top of a wheel route, picked it off. I mean, that's the turnover guy. So it'd be a, right. an interior guy or safety would be the two that would. Now, JD Bertrand's a pain in the butt. Uh, a, a, an inside backer can be. I watched the game again last night, and it's like every time they had one of the freshman linebackers in the field, they ripped off like a long run. It seemed. Like there was every single long run they had was with a freshman linebacker on the field because JD didn't play. Yeah. And, and so, but those guys are more pesky. They kind of slow you down. They're not like worst nightmares. Worst nightmare is exactly. like you said, a nose guard, just killing you or and safety, making a ton of plays, disruptive plays. You'll, you'll also as a triple option team, let a linebacker have 15 tackles. If he's making 15 tackles, three to five to mm-hmm. seven yards downfield. I mean, that's fine. Right? Like Brewer Martini said it best. If Navy's getting three, four, five yards a pop, they're bleeding you to death. Like, that's just where it is. So, like, who cares if 
J.D. Bertrand has 16 tackles, if none of them were for tackle for loss or at the line of scrimmage, and they're all for positive yardage or three to four yards a pop. Like, that's the most counterproductive thing in the world, right? So I think imp- impact is what you want, don't want. And impact up front of Riley Mills and in your pick of a Xavier Watts, the ability to ch- turn the football over, that's where the, that's where Navy – that's like where Navy's worst nightmare because what can, that, what can those yeah. two players provide? Riley Mills provides potential negative plays, which Navy does not want. And the other one is turnovers, which Navy definitely does not want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Vanilla Chill says, what do you expect to see from Jared Parker's offense tomorrow, scheme-wise, specifically, if you can? Well, we're not going to get into specifics of, of things we anticipate scheme-wise tomorrow. Uh, but what I what I will say is I expect us to see a more diverse run game, schematically. And I think we're going to see more RPOs in an offense that's willing to take some shots. Now, Notre Dame took some shots against Navy last year, right? And they did throw the ball downfield last season, but, but I think it'll be a little bit more early, more often. I I think we're going to see more vertical stretch concepts this year, as opposed to Notre Dame was a very heavy horizontal stretch team. Is that, would you, would you tend to agree with that Ryan in their past game schemes in the past? Uh, I think we're going to see more of a vertical stretch type of offense and and horizontal stretches left to right. Vertical means like high lows, like things on top of each other. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to see some more of that stuff. That's about as specific as I'm going to get from what I expect to see from Jared Parker tomorrow. Um, Diversity in RPOs, yeah. baby. That's all I'm yeah. looking for tomorrow. It's all yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. David Carpenter, it's almost time for the game. Are you ready? No, David, we're not ready. We've just been waiting for this for months. I'm sorry. Ryan. That was really rude. <laughs> I Ryan was David. That's Ryan sarca- sarcasm. Yes, yes, we're very ready. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm very excited. Any special food drink plans for the game? Maybe 96 wings to celebrate the number of years Notre Dame and Navy have played. 96 I'm going to be spending the whole second half in the bathroom if I had 96 wings. Uh, You might be in the hospital if you ate 96 wings, man. That's a lot of wings. (laughs) Uh, So 
Angela makes a really good bean dip. And normally we only have that for the Super Bowl, um, but we're going to have that on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, she uh, it's really good. And she she tailors it to to me as well. Like if she was making it for a bunch of people and I wasn't eating it, she'd make it a little bit different. But right. because of my pickiness, she makes it a little bit you know tailored to me, and it's really good. That reminds me, I got to go get some scoops from the store today because it's really good with scoops. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's really the only thing that we got special planned. I thought about making wings, but it's just kind of a process and it's a work day, so I don't know that I'll have the time yeah. to to make them. But I promise you, won't be ninety six of them. I can assure you of that. But yeah, I'll just probably have that be the main thing that we'll have. I don't I don't think we have anything crazy plans for tomorrow. I'm just gonna be watching the game. I don't think we're gonna have people over or anything like that. So I, I don't have anything interesting to add, David. Unfortunately, I have no idea what I'm eating, I have no idea what I'm drinking. It's just watching the game, man. That's all I can guarantee that happens tomorrow. So you're no fun. I know, man. I would, usually we plan this a lot better, but we have not planned anything for tomorrow. So You've been too busy uh, dealing with the babies. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Zay says, is Sam really that big of an upgrade to take us to a national championship game? Not by himself. Very big I mean, upgrade, though. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Look, Sam Hartman doesn't come here in the exact t- same team from last year in their national title team. I and mean, we've said last year they make them a much better team. Notre Dame doesn't beat Georgia last year just because they have Sam Hartman. Right. Right. Like you need other you need the receivers to step up. You need your line to be good. You need some defensive linemen to break out. There's other things that have to happen. Like if Notre Dame wins a title this year, won't be everyone else played exactly the same way they always have. But Sam Hartman showed up and you're a national championship winner. That that's that won't be how it's going to be. But if that does play out, they will still be a better football, much better team. Yes. Yes. That's why I don't get some of the Notre Dame fans are like eight and four, nine and three. And I'm like, I was I hate to say this because I, I really do love Drew. He's a great kid, and I love his family. But it's like I don't think y'all understand how how limited the offense was last year with with the quarterback situation. I mean, it, and Ryan, I think it kind of hit you even more so when you like you you because you and I watch all twenty two. So I mean, we would yeah. see it, but like when you see it up close and personal, and you see how often you saw it last year for the first time against Syracuse, where like it just hits you like how open the receivers are constantly, and the ball just doesn't come. Like the ball that he threw to Tobias, it got broken up. If he just throws the ball on time, it's a touchdown for Tobias. You know, they and also it's just, could have thrown. They could have thrown comebacks to Deion Coles. Uh, could have Deion nine catches in that game. He was oh, open all day, all game. All day. Yep. And um, it just, it was really limiting. And you know, it's going to be a lot better now. The thing they need is they need other parts not to take a step back. They don't. They, they can't afford the old line to take a step back. They can't afford, you know, the defensive front seven to take a step back. They can't afford Morrison and Hart to take a step back. They right. need. They need the front line. They need Mills and Batelho to step up. You know, they need Jason Onye and Gabriel Rubio to to continue to show the improvement. They need the linebackers to be better. They need Cam Hart to be healthy. They need Tobias to step up and because they look Sam Hartman can't catch his own throws. So sure. if the receivers are catching it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. So but 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 if everybody just takes their normal you know 2022 to 2023 improvements that you expect them to make not ginormous ones but just normal improvements and Sam Hartman's here. This is a minimum ten and two football team. That's 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 why I say the floor is ten and two, Ryan. Yeah. Anything worse than ten and two to me means some stuff went really wrong, in my opinion. Agree. Okay. It just yep. it just does. You see, very similarly. Yep. Yep. 
Irish Mills 540 says, do you think the weather will impact Parker's ability to call passing plays, limit Hartman's throws tomorrow? I don't think so. I think the only, to me, unless a quarterback has really small hands, the only thing that really limits your ability to call passing plays is when it's windy or it's a heavy rain. Yeah. Those are the only two things that really limit it. And, and, Sam Hartman doesn't have small hands either. I have an official no. measurement on him. Yeah. So he's got, he's got like pretty nine big hands. Or nine and three right? quarters. Yeah. yeah, it's a good size. Yeah. yeah. And and he's thrown, we've seen him throw in the rain before. We've seen him play in the rain. And it hasn't limited his ability to throw it. it it's it what can happen. You can sail a ball. You'll you'll have some misses sure. in the rain that you wouldn't normally have, but it doesn't necessarily limit you. What what where you get limited, I think, in the rain in the rain, Ryan, is the real deep shots can get impacted. Yeah. So yeah. it does impact your play calling it a little bit there, the volume wise. But like I'm not running five post routes over top of the defense right. in the rain because the ball can die a little bit because of the rain and just you know the it, it, the ball can get heavier. You know you you got to be careful. Like okay, if we got a new ball in, you know I mean sometimes you might have to look at that. Like okay, they just put a new ball in. Let's take that shot. You know, but hey, if they've had the ball, we just ran three straight run plays and it's the same football. You know, like okay. You, you got, I mean, those are the type of things where it can impact if it's a really heavy rain, but if it's just a normal rain, they, they rotate balls in and out so much now, Ryan, that it, it doesn't really have that big of an impact. Agreed. If you, unless your quarterback, like I said, has really small hands. Yeah. Wind is what would, what, what concerns me more so. And that's partly why Notre Dame didn't throw the ball a lot against Clemson last year. It wasn't just because, oh, we have no faith in Drew Pine. They showed they're more than willing to have Drew Pine throw the football in, in some of the bigger games, you know, more than, nine of 17 it just was that wind was crazy and drew just didn't have the kind of arm to, to cut throw into that wind was it the uh was it ohio state northwestern last oh, year where it was the same crazy winds yeah it was the same yeah. weekend yeah, it was because they played in the yeah. afternoon and notre dame played that night and yeah. vince and i were up top because we wanted to hear how loud the crowd was when notre dame came out so vince and i were actually like outside of the press box yeah. and my hat almost blew off and if it would have blown off it was gone i mean it was <laughs> i mean that's how heavy the wind was so I had to take my hand off and hold it, but it was crazy windy last year. It was that same Saturday because, you know, Northwestern and Notre Dame, like right by each other. And so we were getting a lot of – it was even worse there because they're right on the lake. On the lake. Literally yeah, yeah. on the lake. And, and whereas Notre Dame's, you know, some miles away from it. But, yeah, wind, wind to me – yeah, wind to me is more impactful than rain. I don't think it rained at Northwestern last year, Ryan. I don't, oh, I don't did, think they got no. rain that game. It just was, it was super, it, it, super windy. Yeah, it was crazy windy because CJ Stroud has a pretty strong arm, you know, and it was yeah. like even at him, he was affecting like it just couldn't push it. And it got know? in his head a little bit. It yeah. did. Agreed. Yep. Mark Avalone says, do you think Jalen Smith could have filled the hole created by the Ryan Shazier injury? Pittsburgh's defense was centered around Shazier's ability to go sideline to sideline. Could Jalen have done that? Oh, yes. Jalen would yeah, have been a sure. better version of Ryan Shazier before his injury. Sad, unfortunate injury. I mean, Ryan, Jalen's one of the most explosive linebackers I've ever seen in my life. I yep. mean, he was a special, freaky talent. Him and, him and Shazier are kind of similar-ish athletes as well, so it probably mm-hmm. would have meshed pretty well, I think. Shazier was a freaky athlete himself. Yeah, it, it, just another one where you're like, man, it just sucks. Like, what could have been? Oh, yeah. there was having a really good career too before he had the next wasn't injury. he still in his 20s when he got hurt what i think it was in like his third year man like he was yeah. young still yeah That's he was young. it was it was so unfortunate too because i hate like he always tackled with his head down like it was he had a history yeah. of it so like unfortunately like you saw it coming a little bit you yeah. know like not to that degree but like yeah it's just so sad man so sad 
It's crazy yeah. that he's able to like walk now and everything, you know, like he's yeah. able to do a lot by himself, which is pretty wild. Yeah. So. Ira 17, Coach D, is North Carolina State the first week we can say if Notre Dame is legit or not? Or are they not even good enough to prove that? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, look, if you go on the road and beat NC State where you're clearly the better team for four quarters, whether it's by 10 points or 30, that's a that's a statement game to a degree. Because statement games don't always have to be you beat one of the big three. You yep. can make up – excuse me, there's other statement games you can make, and NC State's that first one. Look, this is – guys, NC State's a good football team. If they don't get upset in a just a dumb game against BC late last year, like that was their version of Stanford, but not as bad because BC was better than Stanford. Like I'm sorry, they were. But if they don't lose that that game at home to Stanford or to BC, they're they're a nine and fourteen that's ranked in the top twenty. And they were just outside the top twenty five as it was because that was November and they were ranked at the time. It was the week before Notre Dame played BC, and and BC beat them on the road. Was was like twenty one to set 20 or 24 20 something like that right it was a lower scoring game yeah. uh um, and Moorhead threw for over 300 yards i mean and what they, i mean mj morris i think played that game was that the game he got hurt in was that the game mj so. got hurt in i think so ben finley came in right yeah i, I believe so yeah. but i mean that was a good football team right They're, tony gibson does a really nice job schematically with that defense and yeah they lose okay. some guys but they have some other athletes peyton wilson comes back they have some. They have two really good corners. One yeah. especially, is, I think, is a really good player. I haven't seen as much of the other kid. I didn't, just didn't pay as much attention to when I've watched them play. But they're going to have some talent, and Tony Gibson's a really good coach, and they're going to be a much better – I expect them to be a much better offensive team this year. We've seen what Robert and I can do schematically. Now, the good thing for Notre Dame is they've now seen Robert and I two years in a row. Sure. Uh, at Virginia two years ago and then last year at, at Syracuse. So they've studied a lot of his film but they've never had to do it with Brennan Armstrong because he was hurt for the yeah. game that they, they played two years ago. So that's a heck of a – you beat NC State on the road, that's a good win. If you beat NC State convincing on the road, that's a statement win, in my sure. opinion. Right. Remember that interception for Ramon Henderson against Virginia oh, two yeah. years ago? It was, like, it was very <laughs> similar to the one that Kyle Hamilton made. Against yeah. Florida State that everybody talked about. Man, that was a really nice play. He had a huge really nice tackle play. for a loss in that game, too. Remember they blitzed him off the edge and he just blew up the running back in the backfield? Yeah, man. I thought I thought Ramon was going to be the real deal after that yeah. one. I was like, like his oh. first game at safety, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we see that yeah. guy again consistently this year. I hope so. Mark Avalone says, with college football playoff expansion – and overpaying conference contracts, could you see ESPN or Fox forcing conferences to eventually start playing better non-conference games to improve viewership? I hope so. I mean, can they I, force I, them though? I mean, that's my—I don't know if they could. I don't know. That's I, I, I think they can kind of. Uh, they can encourage strongly. Encourage, you know, in, um, in well, certain hey, ways. If, yeah. if there's yeah. things they can do to manipulate the leagues a little bit and say, hey, if you know you don't do this, we're going to do that. Or they can just sit there and say, hey, here's the stark reality, fellas. Because of this, because the way you guys are scheduling, our viewership has gone down the last two years. So if, if it hurts if, us, it hurts you. Yeah, type of exactly. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, yeah. here's the numbers. When you guys have played these type of games, we all make a lot of money. And this is all sure. driven by money anyway. So I think those things could be uses to sort of um you know pull some arms and stuff but there's nothing contractually they can do to force them to play those type of games because hey you have right. to go play so and so there's nothing they can do to that sure now what they could do is they could 
you know, certain negotiations that, that I don't know what their, their contract would say, but Hey, if we, if we do a partnership with this conference, you guys have got to play X number of games against that conference. I mean, they could maybe do some things like that, but I don't know. I don't know of anything in their current contract that requires that. Yeah. Connie at Apero, excuse me. If you were the Navy head coach, who would you rather have for your quarterback, Tommy Frazier or Vince Young? Tommy Frazier easily. Uh, yeah, for the triple. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah, because of the type of offense that they're going to play. You know I'd rather have a quarterback, and I love Tommy Frazier, but if I could have anybody quarterback running their option, it'd be Tony Rice. Or like it'd be him uh, for me or Jamel Holloway. Because because to me, Tommy Frazier was a like in today's game, I would rather have Tommy Frazier running like a, a, a Rich Rod's offense. Yeah, because I like Tommy as a passer. Like, yeah, he could do read zones and he could throw the football. But Tommy also had a hard time staying healthy in his career. Sure. And in this kind of triple, he's going to take a beating in this type of triple. Uh, Jamel Holloway is one I would love. He was a absolute flipping. I'm going to say it all. And and he ran an offense that's going to look a lot more like the one Navy ran. uh, Tommy Frazier ran an offense that looked a lot like the one Notre Dame ran. It was like a power eye option. option. Yeah. And they'd run power O like, like they ran the option, but they would just like literally run handoffs. They'd run counter. They'd run power. O. they, you know, they do all that stuff. It was a lot like Notre Dame's Notre Dame would run the option, but it wasn't all they ran where this is like everything centers around the option looks that's more Jamel Holloway type stuff for me. Yeah. That would be the guy that I'd rather have. But of those two options right there, I'd even have rather have Tony Rice than either one of those guys. But of these yeah. two guys, it's an, it's a no brainer. And I would not want Vince Young six, five, Taking those That's kind of chops and knees, either thing. man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't want a massive quarterback playing in the triple option. Like it's a big. It's a. It's one. I think it's a little bit harder for him to hide the football for one, right? When he's running the option, and also that buy is going to take a lot of beating, yeah. man. At six foot five, two thirty. I mean, Will Worth was pushing it a little bit. I mean, that was a bigger triple. I mean, he's like six two, two fifteen, two twenty. Like yeah. that was a bigger option quarterback. You want the. Keenan Reynolds, 5'9", a buck 95. I mean, Ricky Dobbs was a little bit bigger than that, but like that's the archetype you want as a triple option quarterback. Yep. I want a smaller guy that can hide the football well, man. That's what I want. Yep. Built low to the ground, good center of gravity. Like, that's my guy. Yeah. Irish 17, who is Navy's best player? Who can be their guy this year? I think their fullbacks are best player on offense. And yeah. and I'll tell you, the guy that that, that – probably gives me the the biggest concerns it's not their nose guard it it's the it's the other kid the big the 300 yeah. pounder kid what's his uh, Cromwell. Cromwell. Uh, yeah he's like yeah. 6'3 290 yeah. something he's a disruptive player man he, he he's probably good. now last year was Jordan Marshall or yes. John Marshall excuse me John, John Marshall, Marshall. John Marshall uh, he was their guy last year it was easily 18 and a half to 18 tackles for loss eight and a half sacks he was a dude uh, Cromwell's the one to me. I don't know if I'd say he's their best player. He's the one I'm most concerned about. Would be the one I'd yeah. be most. Concerned. Now, Busick's a nice player too. The other end, he's a nice player. Yeah. He's but well, I think that's line solid. I yeah, mean, yeah. Cro- yeah. And, and Bernard's kind of got some Howard Cross to his game. You know, yeah. real quick guy. Cromwell's the guy that would would probably give me the biggest concern. Yeah, they they got two really solid nose guards. I mean, the backup nose guard was on the freaks yeah. list. Like they got some, a couple solid yeah. kids, and then the. They're probably their most productive kid coming back is the Colin Ramos kid, who's the middle to inside linebacker. But I agree, Brian. The defensive line is much more my worry than the linebackers mm-hmm. or, the, or the third level. Like I just don't see playmakers there. Mm-hmm. I just see solid players. So agree. Like the one kid, uh, the uh, fifty-four. What's his name? 
Ramos. Colin uh, Ramos. No, no. Uh, the other one, the bigger one, Harbor. Uh, Harbor. David Harbor. Like, that think, kid just right? does not run like you. Like you. Like no. they they let him be way too impactful last year because they played everything in a tight box. Yeah. Against a, a a defense that doesn't have a lot of fast guys. I mean, Marshall could run and, but like they did nothing to get those guys in space. Agree. And you let Harbor just make plays, and I'm just like, this guy should not be making plays against you. I'm sorry. No. He's not no. like the kid they had. What was the kid that they had a year before? How do you pronounce his name? Because if I get it wrong, uh, Diego. <laughs> I know. Diego Fago is that what you say his name? And yeah. They had so yeah. they had a couple linebackers before him. Like they went through a stretch there where Navy was putting out some pretty good inside linebackers for them, right? Yep. For them. Yep. Last year, the the Ramos kid's a nice player, but he's really small. 5'11", 205. Yeah, and then yeah. the other kid just can't run. I mean, yeah. you know, and he's shooting gaps and making plays. I'm like, how is this guy making plays? Fago like, was a good player, man. Diego Fago was a really good player. He I think was. he's on a practice squad in the NFL. Like, he's a good player. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw his name, I was like, there's no way you pronounce that like it's spelled. Like, no way. And then I was glad very, it wasn't. Yeah, that would be a very like, unfortunate name. Because yes. I was like, they are so going to ding our channel for this one. Like, you know, <laughs> but, um, you're just going Diego F at that point. Yeah, like you just linebacker Diego. That's thing. exactly what I would have done. I'd have done with them like I do with DJ Uyunglele before I could learn how to pronounce his name. I say DJ quarterback. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. That Diego kid at 54 is a heck of a player, man. <laughs> my, my my brother-in-law who's from Scotland, he remembers that kid from from like watching Notre Dame game that year, and yeah. he always has some things to say. About I'm that, sure. So, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but in all seriousness, though, he was um, d- didn't he get an NFL tryout? I think he's on a practice squad, if I remember okay. correctly. So I like, think, yeah, he I was a legit playing. athlete, Ryan. I mean, yeah. I mean, like we're kind of having some fun, but he was a legitly good football he, player. He's one of the better. He's one of the better military school linebackers I've seen recently. Yeah. Uh, Army fair. had a kid a couple of years ago with Cole Christensen, who was a really good player mm-hmm. as well. But like those were a couple of like the and remember Anthony Schlegel transferred to Ohio State from Air Force. Yeah, if you true. remember, he was a starter on that 05 linebacking core for Ohio State back in the day. But yeah, it, but the point is, we're going back that far. Yeah. Army had a kid a couple years ago that was a pretty good linebacker. I'm trying to remember his name, but but no, Diego was the best they've had in the, the service games had in a very long time. Yep. Notre Dame 21-64. I am so glad football season is finally here. If Notre Dame goes 10 and 2 with losses to Ohio State and USC with a New Year six loss. Do you guys see that as progress for Freeman or no? Yeah. I mean, it's progress. It's just not great not progress. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're you're a game better than you were a year ago. You went 10 and 3 instead of 9 and 4. You had the same record against the big I mean, you lost to the same teams you lost last year. It all But what this also means is is Notre Dame beats Clemson on the road. That's big. They show that they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat. So there's no upset loss to a Duke or a Stanford or a Central Michigan or a pit or a wake or something like that. Right. And, and, and so, yeah, it's a, it's progress. It's not progress that necessarily excites me to be. It doesn't, it it doesn't fulfill you. Mm -mm. Right. It's like progress. If that happens, I can live with 10 and two, Ryan, as long as it's a bowl game win, or as I said, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but if they have a new year six loss, it's like, let's say Georgia doesn't make the playoff and somehow Notre Dame and Georgia are playing in the bowl game and Notre Dame, sure. they go toe to toe four quarters and Georgia wins by a last second field goal. I can live with that, but I'd feel a lot better about that. If Notre Dame went 10 and two, and let's say they did get upset by an NC state or a Duke, but they right. beat Ohio state and USC lost to Clemson or beat Ohio state and 
Clemson lost to USC or something like that. I sure. feel a lot better about that, but it's still more of a baby step than it is a big step. Okay. I mean, look, 10 and two would have, with, now, now here's the thing, right? If you have this record and you go to New Year's six bowl and you win, that's a big jump. Even though you didn't make the playoff and you weren't as good as I think you should have been, you literally played to your floor. That, that bowl game would be the key. You know, you yes. go play a Georgia and Alabama a team like that in a, in a New Year's six bowl and you win. That's needle moving to me. Cause it's another, it's another thing that you haven't done in a long time. Right. right? So that would be a progress for sure. That's yeah. right. Agree. That's right. Although I honestly would rather lose to Clemson and beat one of those teams. Like if I, if you could tell me, would you rather lose to Clemson or Ohio State this year? I said I'd rather lose to Clemson because we know Notre Dame can beat Clemson. Beating Ohio State would be the biggest win of the season that they could have. The only two games that could be bigger for Notre Dame than beating Ohio State is winning a comp, is winning a playoff game and winning the championship. Like literally, there's no other games that could be bigger than that. Even a bowl game over Georgia or Bama will not be as big because here's what's going to happen if they play Georgia in a bowl game. Georgia's going to have like seven kids sit out that game. Yeah. And if they beat them, it's like, well, it's the same crap we heard about South Carolina last year. Oh, they didn't have this guy, this guy. Like Notre Dame's out there playing with a full deck, right? Yeah, they didn't have Fosky or Mayer. Or, or yeah. Cam Hart or, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, but but that's the, that's the talking point. Whereas there isn't right. that for Ohio State. That's the reality of it. So to me, other than a semifinal playoff win or a national championship game win, Ohio State is the biggest win that they could have from a program-defining, narrative-changing standpoint. That that USC, they we know they can beat USC. They've done it a lot. You know, I don't want to ever lose USC, but you know, hey, Clemson, we know they can beat Clemson. If Clemson beats them by a field goal, hey, you know what? That's a really good football team. And they beat you on the road. Sure, the Ohio State game to me is the is the needle mover. That that that. If you do this same scenario, Notre Dame 2164, and you just change out, you eliminate Ohio State from one of those, I feel a lot better about this season. Like if let's say they get upset by Duke the next week and they lose to USC, but they have wins over Clemson and Ohio State, and then they have a, a you know a close loss in the New Year's six, that's still not where I want it to be. I want that New Year's six win, but that's a much bigger step for me because sure. of the ramifications of beating an Ohio State would have on the program. I mean, look what it's done for Michigan. Look at the perception change about Michigan in the last two years because they just beat they beat Ohio State. They've had teams better than the ones they had last. The 2016 team is still the best team Jim Harbaugh's ever had, in my opinion. Like, that was a heck of a team, but they just couldn't win those big games. This one did, and this one has, and it's completely changed their perception. Best teams, I should say, excuse me, most talented team, not best, most talented team that he's ever had. It's, a, a, I think, a more fair way of putting putting that. Got some super chats down here, Ryan. Super chat for Nathan Milton said, funniest thing you've seen during a during a game. I've seen I some funny I... stuff in the in the in the stands. Oh, in, can I say people... one? I got one. Yeah. I got one. You can find this on YouTube still. I remember I was watching an Eagles game. I forget what the year was. Jeremy Macklin was on the team. Jeremy Macklin returned cool. a punt. He got pushed out of bounds and they pushed him and he completely took out the entire Gatorade table. And you could clearly see that the person that does the hydration for the Eagles had just finished filling up those cups. And it was so sad, but also absolutely hysterical that he knocked over the whole Gatorade table. (laughs) All right. It's great. Just YouTube it right now. It's right. Jeremy Macklin Gatorade. It'll pop up on YouTube. Don't leave the channel though, but just write that down somewhere. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. That's great. Me and my wife's 
Me and my wife still pull that up sometimes because it is absolutely hysterical that it happens. That's awesome. Hey, Tim Sullivan, one of the members of our message board, just sent me a couple pictures of him uh, in Ireland. And he's got a picture of him with Dan Patrick and Brady Quinn. And in both photos, oh. he's rocking an IV hat. <laughs> man, he, oh. man, Brady Quinn, I saw him on the uh, – what show was he just on? He was on – was Patrick it the Dan show. Patrick show? Yeah. yeah. Dude, he is – I needs to chill out with lifted, man. He's going to tear <laughs> something in his age. Sheesh. You should have transitioned a linebacker. Yeah. Or D-end. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, game time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. Beefeater, ND08. What's up, Beefeater? Brian Ryan, thank you for getting us through this offseason. How far away is Brennan Vernon from seeing playing time? Could he see the field tomorrow or versus Tennessee State? Also, any tailgate plans for Tennessee State? Brennan Vernon, Vernon is physically ready to play right now. Like yeah. He is athletically and physically. Player. He's just really raw. Could he play against Tennessee State? Yeah. Yeah, he could. Central Michigan? Absolutely. Would I want to put him in there right now against NC State or Ohio State? No. Because I just, yeah, I'd be worried about him making the, the technical mistake or the assignment mistake. But physically, like, yeah, yeah, he looks the part. He moves. He just yeah. needs to, you know, it's going to, him as far as being ready to play against some of the better teams on the schedule, it's just going to come down to him picking up the technical and, and schematic parts of what they're going to do. Like, I wouldn't play him tomorrow because I'd be afraid he'd, you know, hit the wrong gap or take the quarterback when he's supposed to take the fullback, things like that. And that's true of all the yeah. freshman defensive linemen. Um, but if, if Brennan Vernon was technically sound and knew the defense, 
he's he might start. I mean, he's that he watch well, that's a that's yeah. an exaggeration. He's playing like right now. If he had yeah. better high school coaching, Brendan Vernon's playing at Notre Dame right now. He's that to me talented. But Ryan, you've been saying this from day one. That is not a everybody kept saying your your big comment, you kept saying this. The big misconception people have about Brendan Vernon is he's a high floor kid and he's not. He's a high ceiling kid. He is a very raw player technically that yeah. has a lot of room for improvement as a player. He's a very talented football player, yeah. though, man. I mean, at 6'5", 260, like he can – I remember thinking about in San Antonio, man, and you have this preconceived notion of a player, right, as far as like he's going to be a little bit stiff. He's just going to be this big, physical, lumbering dude, but mm-hmm. better athlete than he gives given credit for, man. That kid – if Brennan Vernon is developed properly, he will be a very good player at Notre Dame. I guarantee yeah. it. If he's developed properly, he's very talented. Agree. Trevor Rocket, thank you so much, Trevor, with the super chat. Happy Mailbag Friday, IB Nation game week. Brian and Ryan, mm-hmm. I'm late to the show. What do you two want to see from this team tomorrow? And we had another question from somebody that that was up there too. Um, Irish Mills 540 asked that question as well. What do you two want to see from Notre Dame tomorrow? And, uh, you know, really the big thing for me, Ryan, is I want to see him play hard and physical. Yeah. I, I Honestly, I can live with game one technical mistakes and assignment mistakes and, you know, quarterback missing a guy that's open. I, that stuff doesn't really bother me in game ones. What, what bothers me is game ones is when you do stupid things, you know, like like – what I don't want to see tomorrow, I do not want to see a delay of game penalty start a series. That, that for the love of all things holy, please don't do that. You know, but but uh, I, if Sam Hartman has a guy opening, misses him, he's not missing that in three weeks, right? That's just that's game one issues. If a guy misses a block, and but what I want to see that that to me, you don't need prepper, you don't need weeks of getting on the same page to be Ryan is to play hard and to be physical and play with fire. That is not something where I need three games to build that into my – you either have it or you don't as a program. And that's the stuff really that I'm going to primarily – now, of course, we'll – post-game show, we'll talk about things they didn't execute properly and all that. But as far as, like, changing my narrative of this team, if they don't play that way with fire, with physicality, with passion, that's going to say maybe this team isn't who I thought they were. Yeah. That that, that would be it. I just want to see juice and swagger, man. Like yeah. that was one of the biggest things last year. I, I harped on, I feel like every single week is like, I didn't know who the guy that brought juice to the team every single week yeah. was like, I just didn't know who that guy was. We've been hearing a lot of great things this off season about, I mean, you've talked about it, Brian, right? The Jason Onye's of the world, the Jaden Mickey's of the world, the, the freshman wide receivers of the world. Like these guys that seem to be bringing a little bit more swagger to the table the sam hartman's the audrick estimates there's plenty of guys that can be those guys for notre dame but i just feel like there wasn't enough of it last year right. so let's come out excited man like everyone's excited in this chat room right for notre dame mm-hmm. football starting i want to see him hit the field tomorrow Keep and just it going. feel like they want to play man like, let's yeah. play let's play hard let's play well yep. i mean that's just there just wasn't enough of that last year man there was a lot of tightness i felt like last year at some points like i want to see and I feel like Marcus Freeman and the staff has really honed in on it this offseason. Let's get the juice flowing here, man. Football's fun. Let's go play ball. And I need to see that. I want to see it. You know, if someone makes a big play, I don't want it to be silence on the sidelines. Like, let's get excited a little bit, right. man. If a guy makes a big play, let's get the juice flowing. Yep. All right. Got another one from Trevor, our uh, Canadian friend. He's got a couple more super chats. I'm going to get to all three of yep. his super chats here, Ryan. 
Awesome. Thank you, Trevor, for all three. I appreciate it, man. Brian and Ryan, keep up the great work, guys. Really looking forward to the season with IB Nation. Thank you, sir. Me too. Really appreciate it. Me too. Me too. And his last one was, Brian and Ryan, can you each give a non-Notre Dame game you are looking forward to watching this season? Cheers, lads. Notre Dame college football season is finally here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I really do, Ryan. You and I are talking about this. Like, you know, we'll, we'll find out, but I really like this team. LSU Florida State's one that to that question that I'm looking forward to. We've talked yeah. about that one a ton, though. I think that's going to be a really exciting game. I don't know how that one's going to go either. I mean, yeah. you know, Florida State won last year. They have a lot of hype going into the season. LSU was playing better in the second half. They have a lot of hype going into the season. Until the A&M game. But yes, yes. correct. Yes. Well, I even meant just the second half of that Florida State game because yeah. they came out flat against Florida State and they played better in the second yeah. half and they get a closer game. So, yeah. Shelton Hager, 91 with a super chat. Thank you, Shelton. Mild debate, and I'm torn, but what do you all say? 19 LSU or 01 Miami, who was the greatest? Greatest offense is 19 LSU. Greatest football team of those two is Miami in Miami yeah. 2001. I, I think what's interesting, Ryan, and, and th- some people are probably going to uh, disagree with me on this, but I actually thought the, the 2000 football, the 2000 Miami team might have actually been better. By the season's end, by the end of that season, that team was unbelievable. If you remember that year, they lost a game early at Washington. And then they had a big win over number one, Florida State. They blew out number two, Virginia Tech. Like by the end of the year, that 21 team was or that 2000 team was crazy good. And that's the team that had Santana Moss and Reggie Wayne. That team was crazy good that year. The the 2001 team was also elite. It just and they had Andre Johnson as their main guy, who's pretty good. But that team was that team was also very dominant down the stretch uh, of that season as well. It, here's here's the thing. I think I think Miami would have been good enough to create some some stops against that. Like they wouldn't have won twenty to seventeen, right? Right. But that Miami secondary was outstanding. And Reed season, and Philip Buchanan and all those guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Antro, yeah. They had Antro Roll, who was a freshman, played in the rotation. You had Mike Rumpf, who was really good. You had DJ Williams at linebacker. Sean Taylor uh, was a backup on that team, too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was yeah, a freshman. Team. Yeah, he was in the <laughs> yeah. rotation as well. Yeah, you had Philip yeah. Buchanan. Uh, yeah. Your defensive line was was very disruptive. You had Jonathan Vilma on that team. Jamal Green was a pretty good player on that team. Like, yeah, Vince Wilfork was a freshman on that team. He yeah. played. Uh, yep. You had William Joseph was on that team. Jerome McDougal was on that team. They First were veterans pitch, on that McDougal. team. Yeah. 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 Yep. Andrew Williams was on that team. Um, you know, you had some like, like, yes, LSU had a lot of an elite players on their offense. LSU, sure. and Miami had a lot of elite players on their defense. Here's the difference in that game. Miami could have scored on that LSU defense. For sure. Like yeah. they would have run the ball and scored on that on that team. I mean with, with the like tight the, ends as well. And Andre yes, Johnson. Had, like, and you had Jeremy Shockey on that yes. team. It was a great part um, of that year. <laughs> correct. He had that big play to beat Florida State that year, and that was a pretty good Florida State team. People forget, uh, man, Shockey was fantastic for the Giants before yeah. shutting him banked up too, man. Yeah. He was a fantastic type. Guys, that, that 0-1 Miami team was so loaded, Najee Davenport couldn't get on the field. Ended up being a pretty solid pro. Yes. Fullback. Yeah. Willis McGahee, they moved to fullback because they had Clinton Portis and Frank Gore on that team. Like – that team was insanely talented, Ryan. Yeah. And you had, like you said, you had Andre Johnson and you had um, Jeremy Shockey. And I believe, wasn't Bryant McKinney 
one of their tackles yeah, on that team. He was. Yeah. So, they also had a. They also had another guard that was drafted pretty high. I forget which who the guard was, but he was a good player as well. But, yeah, yeah. So Brian McKay I'm going. Was now here's the thing: they both had very overrated head coaches. Sure. Right. That's the other interesting part of the matchup. Right. It's yep. very overrated head coaches. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I take my I take O one Miami, and it'd be a great game. But it just Miami was more dominant on both phases in all phases of the game. And Miami had some pretty good – if I remember correctly, Ryan, didn't Miami have some pretty good special teams that year? Let me, Yeah, Andre Johnson uh, – no, no. no that's not, Moss, yeah, right? Philip Buchanan had oh, two Buchanan. punt returns for touchdowns that year. Yeah, yeah. Philip Buchanan was a really good punt return on the team. I thought they had some good special teams that year. Yeah. Uh, their main punt return was actually Andre Johnson. Only averaged 19 and a half. Like, why is he your main punt returner or kick returner? But, yeah, that uh, Philip Buchanan had two punt returns for touchdowns that year. And they had a blocked punt for a touchdown as well. So, that wasn't just a team that just relied on talent. I mean, they were a great team. It, it was – I mean, it was st- stated perfectly when you watch the documentaries. It's just like, dude, just don't screw this up. And that's like, literally what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess I'll it up. I'll say this too, Brian, like all that talent on that defense. I don't think I've ever seen a college safety like Ed Reed, man. I don't think I've ever seen it. That guy was insane. Like I've never seen anything like that dude in my life. That was, I mean, he was a great NFL player as well. Hall of yeah. Famer, but like in college, I just remember One of the that smartest year defensive backs I've ever seen, man. Like, he just, just, cause he didn't, he didn't test that great either. He ran like four five, seven, but like, no, nah, he, he wasn't just, like a four. Yeah. He wasn't an elite athlete. Yeah. yeah. He just knew where the heck to be on the football yeah. field, man. And he, he, he was a good athlete. He just skills. wasn't fast, but yeah, yes, exactly. he was one of the smartest DBs I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he was, it was incredible that, that year to that speech of like, uh, what, what was it like? Don't ask me if I'm a hurt dog. Of course I'm hurt. I'm yeah. like, Oh, yeah. Geez, all right. yeah. All right. yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was really good. He's still People that forget- way. That's People why he got fired he, at, at, at uh, Bethune Cookman because he's still that yeah, emotional. You know, I mean, yeah, I'm not saying that disrespectfully. I mean, he's just a very emotional guy, and that's what got him to be who he was. I mean, honestly, he, I mean, people forgot too because he had so many interceptions. He had such great ball skills. Ed Reed would stick you yeah. too, man. Like he would stick you. Oh, well, here's the other thing too: is one thing that I would have to say about that question is what rules are we playing by? Sure. Because there's a good chance that Ed Reed and Sean Taylor are getting kicked out of that of the game oh, if we're playing by today's Sean rules. Especially yeah. Sean Taylor. Well, I've, I think I've told the story before, but some one, a couple of years ago, somebody on his birth on the day, I think it was his birthday or the day his anniversary when he passed away, they put like a five minute Sean Taylor highlight clip from when he was in college, and I'm just sitting there targeting, targeting, also targeting. targeting again. <laughs> tar- right. I got never get it out of a game. Uh, you know, but uh, he was so fun to watch. He, he was a great. He player. was a headhunter until his last year, and then his last year, he's like, "I'm just going to get ten interceptions That's this right. year." And That's right. <laughs> yep, he was unreal good. Do you remember when he made the Pro Bowl that one year? And the oh, who did he kill? Tried to run a fake punt and he oh, smoked gosh. Ryan Mormon. I'm like, oh, oh. my gosh, Ryan Mormon. Did was he make him like five around? Yeah, it was. Oh, I, I don't know, oh, man, God, it was just one of the most dead. vicious hits of all time. Just like it's a Pro Bowl, brother. Like, yeah. I thought he was dead. I, uh, so he just Morgan, killed the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I was good. like, you remember when Ruben Foster got to Sean Watson in college that one time, man, he made him spin. I was like, that was, I don't remember. was that in the hit. title game in 16? I, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, man. He hit him like right near the first down marker and he spun yeah. in the air like multiple times. I'm like, And it wasn't like the John Elway hit where John dove and they hit his legs and spun no, around. Like, it, no, yeah, he, yeah. he made him spin. I was yeah. like, yeesh. And Ruben Foster got Leonard Fournette good on a kickoff return one time too, man, where he yeah. absolutely stuck him. Yeah. Talk about a waste of talent, Ruben oh. Foster. 
Yeah. Connor Grant with a super chat. Besides Ultra Guestimate, do you expect better production from our running backs? What Logan Diggs gave us, he was solid last year. I think Logan Diggs was better than solid. I'm Diggs sorry. I, I'll be shocked if a number two running back gets does what Logan Diggs did last year. Number For two reasons. Number one, I think more of the bulk is going to go to to Audric. I think he's going to carry a little bit more of the load, maybe three to five t- touches per game. But I think the other reps are going to be split between the whole backfield. And you're going to see more RPO stuff this year. So you're just not going to see the volume of carries this season that yep. we saw last season. But I think Logan Diggs is one of the most underappreciated players on last year's team. Uh, and it's a good player last and, year, no doubt. And, and no doubt. it was that it was true even before he left. Like I get it now, he transferred people, you know, but he he never got the credit that I thought he deserved last. Year. Logan Diggs was a good football player. And remember, it was a couple of times when Audrey got got was on the sidelines because he was fumbling the ball and they they counted on Logan to carry the load and he did, you know, and he made, I mean, I I still think his touchdown against South Carolina is what truly changed the the course of that game. You know, it's 24, 10, the offense wasn't doing a whole lot. That 75 yard catch and run just like, just like that completely changed the energy in that stadium, in my opinion. Very yeah, underappreciated player. It's it's a deflating one too because Logan is not like the fastest running back of right. all time. You're like, excuse me, seventy five yards. Where'd that come from? Yeah. Right. Pete Weber, what's up, Pete? As a new member of IB Nation, I just want to say thank you to Brian, Ryan, VD twenty one, and all the IB staff and members for getting us through a long off season with the best coverage in the biz. Let's throw these guys some super chats. Thank you, I Pete. Appreciate and that. I just wanted to say, that, man. It, Vince brought this upon himself, that nickname. He he yeah. put that out there that you know it was I'm curious was, which one's yeah. gonna last longer. VD twenty one or squirrel. I'm curious as to which one is gonna last longer. I don't longer. I don't see squirrel that I don't see that anymore. as much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it died because you know why? Because I didn't actually care. So it's right. just and, and it wasn't a real nickname. You were just having some fun that day, but yeah. Exactly. Tyler Evans, do you guys have a group of five schools that will surprise people this year? Five? Yeah, we've got a few. I think North Carolina is going to be – could could surprise some people. I, I think they could, although I did see that there are some of them in the top 25, so I was, I was okay, that's interesting. Um, Iowa, I think, is going to surprise some people of, of how good I think they're going to be this season. Yeah. Texas, man, I tell you what, Texas Tech would be on my list, Ryan, if they weren't – if their schedule wasn't so brutal. I mean, they got a man. really rough schedule. They just they they keep recycling Tyler Shuck as their quarterback too, yeah. man. I just don't love that guy. Yeah, I, I get like that. I, the difference is they don't ask him to carry the team. That's yeah. that's the thing for me. I mean, they they play sound football. They're just man. They got a their schedule this year is rough. Here's here's their schedule. They play uh, Oregon. They play at Wyoming, Oregon, at West Virginia, Houston, at Baylor, home against K-State, at BYU, home against TCU, at Kansas, home against UCF, at Texas. Like that's – for a team like Texas Tech, that is not – that is not easy, man. That is that is a rough schedule. Uh, some other teams, Ryan, that you think could surprise you just said, people this year. Arkansas you, is one for me. Who, Arkansas is a good one. You just said one that actually I think is going to do better than people anticipate this year. I think BYU is actually going to do a pretty yeah. solid job his first year in the Big 12. And I've, I've been bringing the Washington State bell all offseason. I think Washington State is going to be a very improved team. Your boy Stuart Mandel said that Kalani Sataki could be on the hot seat after the season. Like, first of all, that's an what? ignorant take, even if they have a disappointing season. But, like right. – I was right. like, why are we assuming BYU's not? I mean, guys, we've pointed out, Ryan, they're like seven and two against power five teams the last two years. 
They right? literally I mean, they literally just beat the only Big Twelve team on their schedule last season when they beat Baylor. Yeah. So like yeah, they were like four and one. It was a twenty twenty one. I believe you and I pointed this out. They were like five and one that year against five, I think five and one, five and two against power five teams in twenty twenty one. They right. beat Arizona. They beat Utah. They beat Arizona State. They lost to Baylor, who played for the Big Twelve won the Big Twelve title that year. Uh, they beat Washington State on the road. They beat Virginia. They beat USC. They went six and one against Power Five teams in 2021. Yeah. And then last year they beat Baylor, lost to Oregon, lost to Notre Dame, lost to Arkansas, uh, and then beat Stanford. So last two years they're nine and three against Power Five teams, including Notre Dame. They're nine and yeah. three last two years. But all of a sudden they're just going to go to the Big Twelve and suck. It's just a really bad take. I, I've lo- I've looked at that roster a lot too. I think there's a lot of talent on that team yeah. as well coming back. I know they're replacing a quarterback. I get that, but they got Aiden Robbins in the transfer from UNLV, the running back who didn't play against Notre Dame. He's yep. a good football player. You got a really deep wide receiver group. Kingsley Sumatea coming back at offensive tackle, who's a really talented player. Defensively, got Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, Michael Harper. Like, there's a lot of good players coming back mm-hmm. on that team, man. The, What's the big defensive end's name? That's like the big, like just physical dude. I forget his yeah. name, but he's coming back as well. They they have some good players coming back. I yeah. think BYU is going to be a good team next year. Yep, agree. Um, you know, here's a team that I think could maybe, if they can, if the coaching is good enough, a team that has a surprisingly decent roster is Missouri. They've got some talent there where they could maybe pull off a couple upsets and surprise some people and be like, oh, Missouri's not bad. I just don't trust Eli Drinkwitz. That's really my yeah, I don't like that's my concern, Ryan. Is I don't, it's, I, it's, this, it scared me this offseason too, Brian, where Drinkwitz actually said a couple of things where I didn't actually hate, and I'm just like, yeah, well, I don't like that guy. Though, his so. <laughs> NIL stuff, and and and, yeah. and yeah, it was. I thought he was on point. I was like, dude, nailed yeah. it, man. He absolutely nailed it. Um, yeah, th- those are some. Arkansas's one. If they can keep KJ Jefferson healthy, that's another team that I think could surprise some people. Um, yeah, th- those are. And I think UCLA is going to make some noise in the Pac-12. They're not going to win it, but they're going to upset. They're going to have at least two two upsets this year that 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 people don't. Think. I think people. Oh, they lost this guy, that guy, that guy. They're going to take a step back, and they got some. I think the receiving core is going to be better this year. With all due respect to Jake Bobo, I mean, they got Kyle, uh, got Kyle Ford, and they got some guys. Uh, they got the J. Michael Sturdivant to transfer in from yeah. Cal. He's really good. He's. I, like well, I should say he's really good. He's really talented. He's not good yet, yeah. but he's really talented. 10, 300 meters yeah. to come out of yeah. high school. Yeah. yeah, they've got some. They've got some I, guys. That defense, man, they got lot too as a pass rusher. Got they got the Murphy twins as pass rushers. They got some. They got some talent. Yeah, they got some talent. They just got to figure out the quarterback. Right, that's yeah. that's the big key. But Chip Chip Kelly's not going to put as much on the quarterback's shoulders as yeah. as I mean. I thought he did a great job developing Dorian Thompson Robinson, who I'm not a huge fan of. As a, you know, so he's he, a nice player. He just but, won the he just yeah. won the backup quarterback job yeah. for the Browns. He made a couple he did guys a great job developing that guy. He yeah. he really did. He really did. Because prior to last season, I thought he was just one of the most overhyped quarterbacks around. Because people he shouldn't have been ranked as high as he was coming out of high school. He had a big arm, but he just was super inaccurate. Wasn't yeah. great reading defenses, and he put in the work. But Chip Kelly did a great job of developing him. I felt no doubt. Shelton Hager with a super chat, mild debate, and I'm t- oh, we, we already got this one. Oh, this sorry, Miami sorry. LSU. One. I'm just so good. thankful of Shelton giving us the uh, yes. super chat. I appreciate that, buddy. Always appreciate it. Mike Farina with the super chat. How's it going? Can't wait for the season to start. The game in a few weeks. I should be a great one. Yeah, That's probably one. thinking of the Ohio State game. You gotcha. Know, yeah, Ohio yeah. State. Yep. yep. Yeah. Will be a great I just one, hope I we see a lot of Notre Dame fans there. That's my only concern. That's yep. my only concern. Tom Connor, super chat. Any credits? Pete Weber, 
yeah because pete was asking for people to throw some super chats you know what i would rather you do is if is if we always appreciate the super chats we appreciate you if you're not a member of the message board yet i'd rather you not give a super chat and sign up for the message board yeah would would much rather do that that's the community that we really want to continue to build up and we're way ahead of schedule from where we were but i'm um yeah it's really grown and great discussion and we appreciate that but yes thank you tom also very, very much for that. And thank you, Pete, for calling on people to do that. It's very much appreciated. All right, let's go to Tuberton. Tuberton, the last staff refused to run the score up and always played not to lose. Do you see the staff being the exact opposite? I don't know. Uh, Ryan, that's, that's one of my biggest fears with Marcus Freeman. And it's not because of him. It's just that tends to be how defensive coaches tend to be. Sure. You know, they just hey, you can keep the score down, run the clock, you know, protect the defense. That's just a lot of defensive coaches that Nick Saban was that way for a long time, you know, but uh, th- until he shows otherwise, that's just a, I, that's something that's going to be a natural concern I have when the defensive head coach gets hired as head coach. Sure. And it doesn't have anything specifically to do with Marcus Freeman. It's just the fact that he's a defensive head there's coach. Like, there's like a conservative feel to it, defensive coaches typically. Yeah, yeah I get where that. you're always looking to protect the de- – we're like, I don't think Lincoln Riley ever takes the defense into consideration, ever. You know, whereas a defensive head coach kind of errs on the opposite side of that. You know, like yeah. too conservative and, you know, and those type of things where I just want to see you, you know, kind of do a little bit of both. Yeah. You know, so oh, – Alex Grinch. Oh, Alex Grinch. Yeah, yeah I know. Bailey Brad, Ohio State loses to Notre Dame, Michigan, and Penn State. Is that for is that it for Ryan Day at Ohio State? I mean, it shouldn't be. I, I mean, look, yeah. first of all, I don't think now that we know Gene Smith's retiring, I don't think that's what Gene Smith wants his legacy to be. It's firing a coach who's going to be at that time like 60 and like nine, right? right? Like, you know, it's a rebuilding year. They've got a great recruiting class that they're putting together. They, they just yeah. signed a really good recruiting class in some area. You know what I mean? Like, is that really what you want to do is blow that all up because a guy had a down year? I mean, literally, you're two points away from playing for the championship last year, a game they would have won, right? Right, And you're going to fire him because he has one down year? Like, uh, you know, I mean, that's how you that's how you kill a program. And, and, and Ryan, I'm not someone who's a big Ryan Day fan. I think you yeah, know that I'm, I'm not sold too. on Ryan day. I, I definitely have yeah. questions on him, but you just don't do that. I mean, it, it'd be like the year after Alabama won their title in 09, Nick Saban went nine and three or 10 and three that year. Right. They lost to South Carolina. They lost to LSU and they lost to Auburn. So they lost to two of their three big rivals. And, you know, that'd be like, well, they, you know, you won a title last year, you, went 12, you, you, you didn't do it this year. You, no, you don't do that. Now, if he loses those three games and they lose Wisconsin and a bunch of kids decommit, okay, maybe. You know, and, and the other thing is if, if the three losses are like blow, all blowouts and then, you know, you just, sure, I guess. But again, that guy's like, isn't he like, I'm trying, his, what's his overall record? It's, it's like a really, it's like 40, I said 45 and, like 45 and six or something like that, Ryan, as a head coach, if you, especially if you include the three games he had in his first year, he's 45 and six, 42 and six in his four years as the main head coach. And his record would even be better if he didn't have the COVID year where he only coached eight games that year. They would have probably won another three or four games on the schedule. I'm not a believer in Ryan day, but I think it would be program suicide to fire him right now. Cause if you're Marcus Freeman and, and Luke fickle, you're just going to have to be, uh, I just want that job no matter what. 
to take that sure. job. Uh, you know, and and I don't think Marcus. If if you're gonna fire Ryan Day, I, if I'm Marcus, I'm not taking that job. And I, I somebody asked me a, a thing I spoke at. If if uh, Ryan Day leaves in a year or two for whatever reason, who do you think the next head coach is going to be? I said it's Luke Fickle, not Marcus Freeman. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, um, unless Marcus Freeman just like kills it the next two years or something. No, I mean, I, I, I don't think Marcus Freeman would take the job. I think Marcus Freeman uh, really likes where he's at. I don't think that he would leave Notre Dame for Ohio State, and that's why I think sure. they would go with Luke Fickle. But I just look. Sometimes you be careful what you ask for, wish for. You know what I mean. Be careful what you wish for, because you you may not like what ends up replacing that guy, right? Like if Dan, if if, if uh, Billy Napier doesn't get this thing turned around, they're going to look back and say, "Boy, maybe we should have not been so uh, quick to get rid of Dan Mullen." And I'm not a big Dan sure. Mullen fan right now either with some things he's saying. But you know that that's how silly that was, and then your program falls apart. And the other thing too is when you fire a coach, you and nowadays you better be sure it's the right move and you better sure you have something to replace him because by the time you hire a new coach, you could lose a third of your roster with the way the transfer portal is now. Right. I mean, that's the other thing, Ryan is, is you run it, you run into that risk. So I think that would be a big mistake. I had it. Let's say just, let's say all this happens. It's a down year. Give him a chance. He's got a very, very talented young roster, great recruiting class coming in. As long as you can keep it together. I think that'd be a big mistake. Yep. I think there would be a lot of push for it, though, if he loses yeah. to Ohio State three straight years. I mean, and Michigan. Here's another years. example. I mean, some yeah. somebody said this too. It's like if, I think if Day loses to Notre Dame and then gets blown out for a third straight season by Michigan, I think Day is gone. I think losing to Penn State wouldn't matter. I mean, I I think that's just emotional fan talk. I, I Gene Smith didn't get get to where he got to by making those kind of decisions, in my opinion. Sure. I just uh, and and does he really want his last act as defense as athletic director to be to fire a a coach who's been in the playoff three or four times and, you know, or in, in five years. And I just, yeah, I don't think that would be, I think that's fan talk, Ryan. I, sure. I don't think that's, I don't think that's real. I don't, I think they'd have to absolutely collapse for that to happen. Like blowout losses to those three teams. You'd have to lose to Wisconsin. You have another upset loss. Like they'd have to absolutely collapse in my opinion to fire me. I mean, yeah, it would be a huge mistake in my view. Dominic Casbaro says, who is the first player to score a defensive touchdown for Notre Dame this season? Cam Hart, tomorrow, baby. Write it in pencil, not in pen, because I'm not sure about it, but it could happen. <laughs> well, you and I have talked about that. Is I could see yeah. a I could see that. I could see it being a Xavier Watts, you know, picking up a muffed pitch and taking yeah. it back. But um, you know, I I hope well, let me ask you this, Ryan. What what defensive touchdowns do you think are the most momentum changing is it a pick six or it is a, is it like a strip sack and uh, then a you know a scoop and score i think it's kind of a pick six to me because i think it that I alters the mind of a quarterback moving forward yeah. a little bit i would agree there i would agree there because if, if it's a if it's a strip sack fumble you know you could blame an offensive lineman for it yeah. right or a, a, ba- a bad call against a certain pressure or something like that but the minute your quarterback is mentally checked out is the minute that your team falls apart it's like that's yeah. kind of where i am with that so
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.